Hello, everyone, and welcome again to an episode of everybody's favorite podcast, In Depth with Seth and Beth, the tongue-twisting, fun play-on-names podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church. My name is Seth Patterson, and I am the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. This is a chance for us to get together, Beth and I, and talk through the sermon from the previous Sunday and try to go in a little bit more depth, add some context, ask some questions, and talk about it. This week, the sermon was preached by our colleague Paula Northwood called In God We Trust. The scripture that she used is from the Psalms and a very long psalm, and she only chose seven uh, verses of it. And so we begin. Welcome, Beth. Hello, Seth. Always good to be with you. How am I finding you today? Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to think about uh, the things that Paula presented to us. I am grateful for what feels like the potential of a beginning in our Mm. country and in our world. So to put in context this conversation, on Saturday, the day before this uh, sermon in question was preached, was the uh, announcement by the Associated Press and then validated by other news organizations that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are now the president and vice president-elect. But we are only days away from that. Yes, and still trying to understand what that all means, I think. Yeah. I'm Beth Hoffman-Faith, and I'm the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth Congregational Church, and really always look forward to this time with my colleague and friend. I had so much empathy for Paula last week as she was <laughs> right? preparing for this sermon in these this uncertain time. So we record worship on Thursdays right now during this time of pandemic. Of course, Tuesday was election day and Thursday we still had not an answer to who was the winner. And, and even the direction was only starting to emerge. I know. I know. Wednesday, many of us were feeling, I was feeling anyway, melancholy and out of sorts, uncertain, and really unsure of things. When we gathered on Thursday to record, I had a sense that we were still sort of in that place. There were glimmers of potential determining of a winner, but we we didn't know much on Thursday. And that's a hard place to be because I know Paula knew that by Sunday, when people would hear this sermon, an answer would most likely be known, and it was. But to preach that in the uncertainty of the moment took on, I think, a specific meaning. And it was interesting for me to hear that sermon, the sermon on Thursday, and then also on Sunday. Yeah. Sort of the before and after, and the necessity of the message for both circumstances. I appreciated her thoughtfulness uh, as she used the psalm, the, the psalm number 78, the first few verses, sort of a launching pad to to talk about who, in whom and with whom do we place our trust? Where is our allegiance? How do we, as she says, use our faith as our most powerful resource? What was your initial impression, Seth, and did that change when you heard it again? It did. You hear things through whatever the audio version of a lens is, Mm. uh, through the speaker, of whatever the context is. And the context on Thursday was waiting. It was active patience. Uh, But then Sunday, the whole thing shifts because it was now uh, no longer waiting, 
but uh, for some a sense of relief, some a sense of loss. And but there was there was something from which to react to. And so when she talks about something like putting your trust in God instead of political institutions solely, uh, when you're in a moment of waiting, there's something very spiritual about that. And when you're when you have an answer for me, it then became more of a like a holding back a I knew what the answer was and it was a political answer. And then she reminded me to to relook at it in a different way. And that was helpful and challenging. Right. And to make it a spiritual quest and question. I think many of us are aware that regardless of who sits in the White House, there's so much to do locally in our communities to move towards systemic change. And what about if that became more of a spiritual practice than it is right now? What if we really did root our view of the world and the work that we're called to and the justice that we seek rooted in sacred story, as she suggests, as the psalm suggests. I think that is a question that we should ask ourselves every day, not just during the course of an election. <laughs> right. But it becomes so much more acute during the this time of election. And maybe this has always been true, but this, what you just said about focusing on the local all politics is local is an old idiom, but because of our interconnectedness and our media and social media, we we get to feel as if we're part of something more national, I think in a, in a much more tangible way than maybe in generations past. Like I can get outraged by something somebody said in a place that I've never been in a way now that is not quite the case. I wonder if previous generations, but so we're both local and incredibly national simultaneously. Right. For me, this sermon was really about important questions that we are being invited to ponder as we move into whatever is next for us. Because she asked the question, I think you're alluding to, Seth, when you talk about sort of a nationalistic or global perspective that we tend to have more empathy for our global neighbors and people in other cultures than we do for those who have different political leanings than us. We've right. certainly seen that play out in, in this election cycle, perhaps like never before. And I know that many people are grappling with how to be in relationship with people who they're related to, who they love, uh, who see the world so differently based on who they supported as a presidential candidate. And that that is, how do we begin to, to mend that chasm, not only to preserve relationship, but also so that we aren't so polarized and can move in a direction of, of justice and equality. Yeah, we don't all have to agree, but we all have to do some things together. Right, yes. There's some problems to solve. And we have to be mostly together on it. I think so. Yeah, this question about healing is, uh, I mean, we heard that from the president, vice president-elect. It's now time for healing. How? What? What is that thing that can bind us together in a to begin healing? Is it talking? Is it doing? Is it separating? What is, how does one heal here? And Paula, I think, like you said, in a sermon full of questions, is maybe leading us towards an answer, which is common place for this, for this healing, is to put our trust into God. Right. And to remember, I mean, I like to say all the time, it's all about relationship. You so, do say that all, all the time. time. 
What do you so, want for lunch, Beth? It's all about relationship. relationship. That's right. It's a good mm-hmm. standard answer to just about everything. But I think that if we are going to begin mending and healing, uh, whether it's divisions in our own family or in our broader communities, it is about relationship. And, you know, I'm going to go back to Paula's last sermon, which was on kindness as this pathway to know the love of God and the love of neighbor. I think we begin right here, (laughs) right in our own homes, in our own neighborhoods, in our own churches, and begin to see how we can reach out uh, beyond sort of political divisions and uh, work on our own relationship. This is also one of those times, and I think there's many of these, but they're not always seen where Paula's Mennonite upbringing comes through mm. uh, Mennonites political structures are of no importance the the national political structures really doesn't matter because your allegiance is to God your work is to the work of God not to the work of country and so she didn't do that explicitly but there there's certainly that as a through line underneath or at least that that's what I heard. Yes, I think you're right. So then to me, one of the beautiful things that she lifted up in this sermon is the fact that this psalm is really a directive to tell the story to the next generation, tell the previous story to the next generation, to continue to tell the sacred story. And, you know, obviously Paula's sacred story is Mm -hmm. her Mennonite childhood and and adulthood until, you know, she moved into the United Church of Christ and how that upbringing really formed and shaped her own life. And it makes me wonder what, you know, what story are we telling right now? What, What is the story that we are sharing with the next generation? And for what reason? What is the story and why are we sharing it? So Paula, this is a, a long psalm and she read seven verses of it. But right before we started recording, you pointed out what came after the seven she she read. Yes. Can you share this to both of our friends listening, please? Yes, indeed. So again, she read the first seven verses of Psalm 78 and, so, and verse seven reads, so that they, meaning the children of the next generation should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that's where Paula ended the reading. But the very next verse, verse eight is, and that they, again, the children of the next generation should not be like their ancestors, (laughs) a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. I love that. <laughs> oh, because because it, I imagine that she didn't say anything about it because it was probably was too much to then fit into a sermon. Mm-hmm. But that is so wonderfully complicating, especially because so often we hear about the rebelliousness of younger generations that, oh, kids nowadays, younger generations, don't do it the way I did it. But this flips it. It's right. The, it's the previous generations that were stubborn and faithless. Faithless. Well, and I guess, you know, when we look at history, whatever history we're looking in, family history, American history, world history, we often lift up the flaws and the faults and the, the conflicts with the hope, I think, that we would do things differently now. Yeah. I just don't feel like we really get that. We're not, we're not doing things differently now. How can we use this history of which there's so, so much baggage to shape how we might do something radically different now? 
that was a question that's resonating on my heart as I think about Paula's sermon. And she used as an example, this very popular book right now, Cast, as an example of, of really taking some time to reflect on our own story, to reflect on our history and where we fit in to sort of an obvious caste system in America that none of us, many of us don't want to claim. Right. Very, uh, at this point, sort of famously, she equates it with moving into an old house. And when you move into an old house, you get all of the things that were left neglected or the way it was built in the beginning, maybe poorly, maybe not well. And it doesn't fix itself. If there's a leak today, if you ignore it, the leak doesn't stop being a leak tomorrow. You have to go fix the leak. Mm. You have to go stop the air from coming in the windows. Can you do something about the airplane that just flew over your house? (laughs) Go away, airplane. There, it's gone. I I was in a conversation this morning with some Chicago clergy colleagues uh, and a story was shared that related to the book cast that Martin Luther King Jr. went to India, was invited there by Nehru, the prime minister at the time. And this was important to King because Gandhi was a, a somebody that he tried to follow and emulate. And he even said, when I visit other countries, I'm, I'm a visitor, but in India, I'm a pilgrim. But he relates that in being introduced at an elementary school, uh, the principal said, welcome to Reverend Dr. King. He is in America, an untouchable. Hmm. That he is part of that caste in that country is a way to relate to these young children. Uh, Wilkerson has a very compelling argument about an American caste system and the history that brings it to us. And like it or not, we, if we're going to see anything be different, we have to place ourselves in the story and identify our role in it so that we can become more aware and therefore be and do differently. And again, what does that look like, especially when it's rooted in faith? I I loved, there are several lines in Paula's sermon that I just really resonated with. God works for us when we are open to change. I mean, that that just speaks to those who, who um, for me, believe that, you know, if, if everything is preordained and, and God is some great conductor orchestrating everything that we do. No, no. God especially works through us when we become open to transformation, which is, to I've, me, the heart of faith. Transformation. It's fascinating that the idea is being open to it. You know, not even to change, just being open to change. Right. It's not saying you have to become a different thing. You have to be open to listening to potentially change. There's a lot of qualifiers there. Yes. And the shift that's necessary. I mean, you you need to make some kind of shift. Is there anything that you, how did this leave you? Is there anything that you wished there had been more of or anything that, that has stuck with you? Well, again, I would love to explore at a deeper level what Paula meant when she said our faith can be our most powerful resource. It's early on in the sermon, and she talks about how that phrase, in God we trust, got placed on to our money. And, you know, Eisenhower's quote that she wrestled with about spiritual weapons, Mm -hmm. which forever will be our country's most powerful resource in peace and war, and how that that was problematic for her. But then she, she talks about how we, people of faith, need to use our faith as our most powerful resource. But she doesn't really say how or why to do that. And if anything, I, that's what I want more of. Um, she she writes a beautiful paragraph, and uh, 
preached a great sermon, but she says, for our allegiance is to God, the divine source of sustaining love and life in the universe, not a government, not a political power or system. And my first response is, is it though? Is our allegiance really first to God? And what does that look like? How do we practice that? Um, you know, we've touched on those things throughout this conversation briefly, but that's what I, I'd like to go deeper into. I agree with that's. I also, it's a question heavy sermon mm. and I would have liked selfishly to have more direction, but at the same time, because I'm a person, had she told me what the answers were, I probably would have said, eh, I don't know, maybe not. I don't like that answer. Right, right. So right. to ask the questions in, in the way that she did, if we're paying attention and if we're up, if we are uh, available for change, we then have to wrestle with ourselves and make meaning out of ourselves. And then we come to our own conclusions, which is harder, but more fulfilling. Right. And I believe it's the gift of a good sermon, one that leaves the listener, the reader with a desire to go deeper and to think about the questions that the sermon evokes. So rather than telling us what to do or how to do it, we are, to famously quote uh, Rilke, to live the questions. Mm. And, and that may lead us to transformation, which is what our faith as a resource, I think, propels us towards. Hopefully, with hope. With hope. And on that, I believe we are out of time, <laughs> my friend. Goes quickly, and it's good to talk to you. And Thank you again all for listening to In Depth with Beth and Seth. I am here with my friend and colleague, Beth Hoffman Faith. I am Seth Patterson. Thank you to Mark Copenhaver for editing and to Laura Caviani for the music. Thank you to all the staff and members and leadership at Plymouth for their support. If you haven't yet heard the sermon, you are welcome to find it at Plymouth.org under the worship tab. You will see the entire service or you can just see Paula's sermon from Sunday, November 8th. Be well in a week. Take care. <laughs>